Now, one of the most obvious and logical reasons to believe that God is the Creator is simply look around. Look at the beauty and order and harmony and wisdom in God's design. And here's a key. An intelligent design requires an intelligent designer. Last Sunday, we talked about getting to know our wonderful God and... We learn three things about God. Number one, God is love. And each one of these things have certain ramifications and meanings. Because God is love, it means these things in our lives. God is also holy. And we must never lose sight of that. But God is a Savior. And that is very important that we know that. Today, we're going to go another step. Part two, if you will. And today we're going to look at God as our creator, our creator. Now, the subject of how this world and universe came into being is a hotbed of debate these days, as you well know. On the one hand, you have people who believe that God created it all. And this we call creation. And then you have, on the other hand, those who totally reject God And many say there is no God, but they reject God and they say the world came about by some form of evolution. And of course, this is called what? It's not a trick question. (laughs) Evolution. But then there's a third group of people who sort of stand in between these two groups and they try to blend creation and evolution together. And these people are known as... um, Theistic evolutionists. Theistic meaning God and evolution. They try to bring them together. Now those who believe in evolution only and reject God, they've actually developed three very complex variations of evolution to choose from. Some of them believe in divergent evolution. Others believe in convergent evolution. And still others believe in parallel evolution. And I'm not going to get into the differences because it's not going to be part of the sermon. You can go and look those up later at home. But all three of these variants teach that the world and the universe are what they are because of some sort of evolutionary means without any participation from God. But folks, you need to know something. Often we're led to believe that all the world's scientists believe in evolution. That is false. Many, many, many of the world's leading scientists totally reject evolution in favor of creation. And they they do that, they've come to that belief, not so much from a religious point of view, but simply looking honestly at the evidence that's there. An honest look. Uh, a, a logical look without any preconceived notions. Some people come to the table already preconceived there is no God and that's how they go about it. And these other scientists have come to the table totally open, totally honest. And what they have found is that the evidence itself has led them to a belief in creation. There's no other explanation. And these are some of the world's most brilliant leading scientists. So that's good to know. Now let me give you an example. Many people in the world today think that 
the world and the universe came into being through the Big Bang. How many have heard of the Big Bang? Raise your hand if you've heard of the Big Bang. Now I'm curious. You've never heard of the Big Bang? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. Anyone here today? All right. How many didn't raise their hand a moment ago? Put your hand up. Let me see. Okay. Well, all right. That, that answers that. Well, many people believe that the Big Bang, kaboom, happened eons ago, and it produced all of the matter, all of the space, all of the time, all of the laws that govern the universe. It produced the sun and the moon and the earth. It produced the flowers and the fruit trees. It produced all of the fish and the oceans and the hummingbirds and the elephants and all of the animals. And it produced people with the ability to see and the ability to hear. And of course... It caused for all these things to beautifully reproduce themselves. The question though, the big bang question that we must ask is this. Listen carefully. When has an explosion ever produced order and harmony? When has an explosion ever produced order and harmony? And the answer is never. Because if it were true then at least some of the thousands of terrorist bombings that have happened over the last 50 years would have produced order and harmony. But they don't. If it were true, then some of the tens of thousands of the volcanic explosions would have produced order and harmony and beauty. But none of them ever have. If it were true, then some of the hundreds of thousands of bombs that were dropped in World War II would have produced order and beauty and harmony. You know they dropped the atomic bomb on Japan. Did that produce order and harmony and beauty? No. Explosions don't do that, do they? That's not what explosions do. Folks, the truth is When it comes to evolution, the basic beliefs behind evolution must deny certain scientific principles. And I'm talking about the laws of thermodynamics. Evolution must deny that because if they don't, evolution really doesn't have a leg to stand on. Evolution becomes impossible because things aren't getting better. Things are getting worse. That's, you know, there's the first and second laws of thermodynamics. But, truth is, something doesn't come from nothing. You can't bring something out of nothing. You have to have something to bring something. Here's a little humor, if you don't mind. And then we'll pray and we'll get into the real message. But an evolutionist somehow ends up arguing with God. I don't know how it happened, but it's part of the joke. This evolutionist managed to argue with God and he... He pointed his finger, shook his finger in front of God and said, God, we don't need you anymore. We are so advanced, we're so smart, we can create life ourselves. And God says, oh, this I got to see, prove it. The evolutionist says, no problem. Right away, the evolutionist reached down to grab up a handful of dirt. And God said, whoa, whoa, time out. Wait a minute, Mr. Evolutionist. You are holding my dirt. You go find yourself your own dirt. 
Now, that's just a little bit of humor, I know, but it sort of illustrates the point. The truth is God is the creator of the world and the universe, and today we're going to learn a bit more about that and how the ramifications, how that applies to our lives. And so I hope you're interested because this is a good subject for us. Let's begin with prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are amazing God and a, a God who created all things. And that's hard for us to understand. We look around at a physical world and universe and there's only so much of that we can understand. We can't see with spiritual eyes. But that's why you wrote us the Bible, to tell us truth. Some people mock the Bible and they say it's no longer relevant. Well, these are the same people who never read it. They don't even know what it says. Father, thank you that the Bible is relevant and it contains for us all the truth we need. Please give us the eyes to see it and the faith to believe it. Bless us today as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to begin with, this may sound odd, may sound a little odd to you, but because God is the Creator, because He is the Creator, this means there are certain things that cannot possibly be. And I'm going to give you four of those today. Number one, because God is the Creator, there can be no evolution. Now your Bible's open in Genesis chapter 1. For those of you who forgot to bring a Bible, you can use one of the pew Bibles there. And uh, like you do, uh, turn to page 1 of the, of the Scripture. First book of Moses called Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Maybe you have this memorized. Read it out loud with me, please. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? You know something? If you can believe that one verse of Scripture, you won't have any trouble believing all the rest of the Bible. But if you take a hairy fit over that one verse, and you're gagging, you know, help, let me out of here. If you can't believe that one verse right there, the very first verse of the Bible, if you cannot believe that, you're probably not going to believe anything else God has to say. Interesting. Now, look also at verse 26. There's a whole lot of creating going on in those first 25 verses, but verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, some of you may be wondering, why does it say us? Why does that? You know, were there other people or something? No, because God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so God, the Godhead, said within itself, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That tells us right there, God is the creator. There's no evolution there whatsoever. You needn't turn to it, but Jeremiah chapter 27, verse 5, God is speaking. He says, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm. I want you to know something. God did not leave the development of his creations to chance and to, uh, well trying to survive the best they can. Evolution teaches that, you know. The survival of the fittest. That's one of the basic principles of evolution. But it's also, 
held by the theistic evolutionist. What is a theistic evolutionist? Someone who believes in what? I can hear you if you talk loud. God and what else? Evolution. They try to blend the two of them together. Theistic evolution. That's what they try and do. God isn't a believer in theistic evolution. God did not leave his creation to develop and evolve. You know, survival and chance. You know, that kind of thing. He didn't do that. God made sure we were made right. Now, one of the most obvious and logical reasons to believe that God is the creator is simply look around. Look at the beauty and order and harmony and wisdom in God's design. And here's a key. An intelligent design requires an intelligent designer. Computers, cell phones, automobiles, airplanes, and satellites all had intelligent designers. To believe that these things somehow just evolved on their own is like thinking that a big wind blew through a junkyard and it blew together in perfect order all of the parts necessary to build a Boeing 747 commercial airliner. By the way, fueled and idling. If you can believe that, then you can believe evolution. God did not allow that to happen. Um, the human body is far, far more complicated than a Boeing 747 commercial jet airliner. Far more complicated. It didn't evolve. It couldn't. Look, some of you have seen this. My famous baby food jar. In this baby food jar, I have a pocket watch. All of the parts of a pocket watch. I took the pocket watch apart myself. There's dozens, not thousands and millions. There's only dozens of parts to this pocket watch, including the mainspring. It's all there. The dial and the hands, the tiny little screws, the case, the spring, the case that the spring goes into all of the little gears and so on, it's all there. Everything. Now the question is, how many times do I have to shake this jar in order for all those parts to come together into not just a pocket watch, but a working pocket watch? Tick, 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 tick. How many times do I have to shake that jar? What makes sense to you? like a million times, then would I have a fully functioning working pocket watch? Huh? No, I'll tell you a little secret. It goes back to one of the laws of thermodynamics. The more I shake this thing, the more the parts rub against each other, the more they wear out. I could shake that thing till the end of eternity. I'll never have a fully functioning, working pocket watch. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen. And so that gives you a sort of an illustration here. But look, wait, it gets even crazier than that. We're talking the human body now. And people out there believe we actually just evolved. Creating human life requires that everything come together at precisely the right time. It cannot evolve 
You cannot start with a mainspring and evolve the watch from there. You have to have all of the parts. You can't have human matter and no spark of life because the human matter would sit there and it would decompose. You cannot have human matter and the spark of life but yet have no vital organs because it couldn't sustain itself. You know, some of your organs produce chemicals that help the body to survive and live. Without those organs, you don't live. They're little chemical plants, right? If, if you had human matter and the spark of life, and you had vital organs, but you didn't have some kind of reproductive system, then the very first human being would have died after a period of time. It has to be able to reproduce. It's amazing what God did. One person is not able to reproduce themselves. It takes two. That's how God designed it. Now, we not only have one completely insane, impossible miracle happening, but now we need two completely insane, impossible miracles happening. Oh, I tell you. To believe that the human body evolved takes a lot of some kind of faith. I don't know what. To believe that the wind blew through the junkyard and formed a Boeing 747 jet airliner. Boy, that takes some faith, I tell you. It's far easier to just come to the logical conclusion an intelligent design requires an intelligent designer. We haven't met him, but he's revealed himself in other ways. One day we will meet him. But why are some people so anxious to deny the existence of God and to deny that he is the creator? Why? Well, I'll give you a few reasons. Number one, some of those people had bad religious experiences when they were kids. Something like they had papatubophobia or something. Something went boink and they had a bad experience and that's unfortunate. Other people didn't get what they prayed for. And so they got angry at God and they became atheists. I knew a man, a very intelligent man. That was his story. I got talking to him many years ago and he explained to me. I asked, why are you an atheist? He told me, well, I once prayed to God for something fervently and he, he didn't so. And then he made a rude middle finger gesture toward heaven. He said, from then on, that was it. He's an atheist. And that's how some people become atheists. That's unfortunate. Some people, they were simply taught evolution and they never took it any further. They never dug into it. They never questioned anything. They just kind of lived with it. And that's unfortunate. And then, of course, some people have political agendas. Political agendas that deny the existence of God. Their political agenda would crumble overnight if they acknowledge God's existence. But listen. Just because someone denies the Holocaust of World War II. Now, the Holocaust was the systematic killing of 6 million Jews over World War II. 41 to 45 in there. They were exterminated various ways, but 6 million of them were killed. It's called the Holocaust. There are people today that deny it vehemently and they got all their different proofs why they don't believe in it. But just because someone doesn't believe in the Holocaust doesn't mean they're right. Just because someone believes in evolution doesn't mean they're right. 
I think that's important for us to know. Okay, we've got to move on. I said that there were four things at least that cannot be if God is the creator. One of them is that there's no evolution. Number two, if God's the creator, and he is, there is no extinction. No evolution, no extinction. Now for this, I'd like you to go to Genesis chapter 2. That's on page 2 of the Pew Bible. And look, please, at verse number 7. And I'd like you to read it out loud with me, okay? Here we go. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now that's important. Man became a living soul. Man was made after God's likeness. A living soul meaning that man will live forever. God lives forever. Man has been made in God's image, a living soul. He will live forever. Some people think that when they die physically, it's all over. Actually, it's only just begun. You and I will live on into eternity one day. And hear me carefully. The very shortest piece, the tiniest speck of your eternity, you're living it right now. This is the tiniest bit of your eternity. You may not be too happy with your tiny bit. Well, listen, there's ways to make it better. There really are. But this is it, folks. How quickly life goes by. Isn't that right? Before you know it, we're older. And one day, one day soon, we'll be starting our eternal existence, every one of us. And that can be quite scary, especially for people who who don't really know God, they know about God. Some of them are afraid that there really is a God, you know. They try to deny God. But it can be scary for people who do not know God personally. To know God personally is something God makes available to every human, no matter where on the face of God's earth they're born. Everyone can know God. I'll get into that more at the end of the message. All right, I've got to move on. Point number three. So because God is the creator, there's no evolution, there's no extinction, but there's no exclusions either. There's no exclusions. Now for this, I'd like you to turn to the right to the book of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, that's going to be after 1 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings. It's page 480 of the Pew Bible. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. This is an amazing little passage of the Bible. First Chronicles chapter 16. Look please at verse 25. It says, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. Small g. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in His presence. Strength and gladness are in His place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering, come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let men say among the nations, the Lord reigneth. You get the idea of the, the uh, inclusivity. 
Did I say that right? Is that even a word? Uh, the inclusiveness. I think that one's that one will wash. The inclusiveness. Of, it's not limited. God doesn't limit Himself to one tribe of people, to one nation of people, to one tongue of people, to one skin color of people, to to one race. He doesn't. God is for all the people. That's what jumps off the page here. Um, I, I want to show you another one. I guess you don't have to turn there, but I, I'll turn there. I want to read it for you. It's in the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 18. I'll just read it for you, okay? Just for the sake of time. Ezekiel 18 and verse 4. God speaking. Listen to this. Listen to what God says. Behold, all souls are mine. This is what God said. All souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. But then there's something very important. He says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. We'll get into that later. God is the author of life for everyone, everywhere. No one is born by accident. God alone holds the keys to life and death. This is so important, folks. No one, but no one, comes into this life or goes out of this life without God's knowledge and permission. God is sovereign. He knows what He's doing. God knows every little pebble, rock, grain of sand on every seashore in the world. God knows every human. Humans are His creation. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Don't ever think for a minute that some little baby is born in some little armpit of the world and God doesn't know about it. Don't ever think that a, a young boy or young girl can, can die quietly and God's not aware of it. Don't ever think that anyone can live their life, no matter how long, in this world without the knowledge and permission of God. God loves each and every one. It's inclusive. There is no exclusion. That's the point here. God alone, and I'm glad, God alone holds the keys to life and death. He excludes no one. God knows all the people. Listen, you know how many people approximately there are in the world today? What is it? It's, it's almost, almost, just about almost 8 billion people. I looked it up on Friday and it said 7.96 billion. Okay, I'll take their word for it, all right? Because I haven't done a head count. 8 billion could be. I'm good with that. Nobody knows the exact number at any given time. Only God. But here's the point. God knows. And He knows each person. He knows them by name. He knows their eye color. He knows how many hairs on top of their head. Now, Jesus made that very clear to us. He knows when each person will die, whether it's going to be by murder or by accident or by disease or by old age. He knows it all. Listen, folks, our little church has uh, over 200 people in it. And the one person in our church that seems to know every name, do you know who it is? Mrs. White. She's the one that seems to know every name. How is that possible? Well, it's largely because she works with the names almost every day. She's doing attendance. When you come to church, she knows. Scary, isn't it? 
She does the attendance. If you ever want to know if you were here at church at any given day, you ask her. She's got the records. But as amazing as Mrs. White is, I'll tell you something. She hasn't a clue how many hairs there are on the top of your head. She doesn't know. God knows. She doesn't know what you had for breakfast today or any day. God knows. God is so incredibly wise and smart. He is so inclusive. But know this. God knows you and loves you no matter what the devil tries to tell you, okay? So this is very important. Because God is the creator. There's no evolution. There's no extinction. There's no exclusion. But finally, there's no errors. There are no errors. Now I want you to see this with your your own eyes, okay? Let's go to the book of Psalms. It's approximately the middle of the Bible. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. It's page 680 of the Pew Bible. Psalm 139. And the reason I want you to see it is because I want you to read it out loud with me. Verse number 14. Psalm 139, verse 14. You got it? Let's read it out loud. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. There's no mistakes. God doesn't make errors. <laughs> he, you know, God doesn't make junk. That's another way of putting it, okay? This is so important. So important. Man has a way of messing up things. Just look at the planet and you'll know what I'm talking about. But the devil also helps man to mess things up and mess people up and mess the planet. But God himself makes no mistakes. Now maybe someone will look at all of the serious birth defects happening over in India, for example, and they'll claim God is at fault. Look at some of those poor babies born, some of them with the most hideous birth defects. And yet, according to scientific studies found in the National Library of Medicine, the National Library of Medicine, it says 70% of the birth defects in India could be prevented by applying basic principles of sanitation and hygiene. That's the National Library of Medicine that says that. Now, the cities in India tend to provide the better sanitation and hygiene, but most people in India live outside of those cities. Many people in India will spend time walking into the Ganges River. I don't know if anyone here has ever done that. I don't think it's safe. Wikipedia says the Ganges River is filled with bacteria, industrial sewage, human waste, death, and floating corpses. When pregnant mothers walk into those waters, they receive those toxins into their bodies, and this affects their unborn children with disease and birth defects. You say, well, why do people do it? Why do they go into the Ganges River? Most of them do it in obedience to their religious beliefs. It's their own religions that are bringing this about. God is not the author of these preventable, serious birth defects. Now, other people, they ignore God's warnings in the Bible 
about marrying within your family. And we have cases of brother and sister marrying, and then the children turn out with some serious birth defects. Listen, God is not the author of that, and He has warned. And by the way, in the Bible, God also teaches good sanitation and hygiene as well. Simple things like washing your hands over running water. It's in the Bible. Some people get themselves heavily into alcohol and into drugs, and then they go and have babies with serious birth defects. And God is not the author of any of that stuff. Sometimes pharmaceutical companies will put out drugs on the market and later find that these drugs cause serious birth defects. And God is definitely not the author. Now, case in point, between 1957 and 1962, the drug thalidomide. How many have heard of thalidomide? Raise your hand. It's not too many of us. Okay, well, it's a drug you don't want to hear about. I'm going to tell you anyhow. The drug companies put out thalidomide. It was, it was marketed in something like 46 different countries under 65 different brand names. But it was hailed as the miracle drug because it took away morning sickness for pregnant women. <gasps> what a miracle. And so thousands and thousands of pregnant women bought and took thalidomide and sure enough, it cured their morning sickness. But they soon started giving birth to babies with incredibly severe birth defects. Some of them were missing limbs completely. Others had flippers instead of hands. Other children had serious brain damage. I'll tell you, God is not the author of any of that. That's man's Frankenstein chemicals for you. That's man's doing, not God's doing. However, there are a few legitimate cases where God actually did allow for a birth defect. And it's here that we need to bow to the sovereignty of a loving God, that He knows what He's doing. In Exodus chapter 4, God says these words, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who, hath make, who, who maketh the dumb or deaf? or seeing, or blind, have not I the Lord. God knows what He's doing when He allows a legitimate birth defect. He brings about greater miracles through them. In John chapter 9, the disciples saw a man who was born blind, and the man was in his 40s at this point. And the disciples turned to Jesus in chapter 9 and verse 2 of John, the Gospel of John, and said, Master, who did sin? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And in the next verse, Jesus answers and says, I'll paraphrase, he says, this guy didn't sin, his parents didn't sin, but that the works of God might, might happen. And Jesus healed the guy, and there was great glory to God. We need to trust the sovereignty that God makes no mistakes. Back in 1820 in the city of Brewster, New York, a sweet little baby girl named Frances Jane was born to a, a mummy and daddy named John and Mercy. Eight days later, the family doctor made a horrendous mistake and put the wrong eye drops into Frances Jane's eyes. And she went totally blind for the rest of her life. What a tragedy. Why would God allow such a thing? 
Well, I'll tell you, God was looking for a godly woman with tremendous spiritual insight who could write 8,000 gospel hymns for him. And these hymns would go on to touch the hearts of hundreds of millions of people around the world. And today we know Frances Jane by her nickname, Fanny. Fanny Crosby. You may think that because when you look in the mirror and you see you got one ear lower than the other, you might think God made a mistake. You might think when you look in the mirror, you see that one eye is a little bit cockeyed or something. It's crooked. You may think that the shape of your nose is made wrong. You might think that your bone structure isn't what it ought to be or your height or your, your skeletal frame or something isn't made right. The devil says, you see, God makes mistakes. And I'm here to tell you, God makes no mistakes. Don't believe what the devil tells you. God knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing when he had you born to those parents in that part of the world at that time in earth's history. God made no mistakes in your life. Zip. Zero. He knows what he's doing. And if we would just bow to the sovereignty of the Lord, you and I will find that God will take those things we call defects and he will use them to give new purpose and meaning to our lives. Someone once remarked that when you see what you think is a a defect, maybe your ear is, you know, sticking out one way or it's lower than the other or something. You look upon that as a mark of God's ownership, that you belong to God. In the last two years, I've been getting a, a defective left index finger. It's crooked. Something's going on inside there. It used to point straight. Now, you know, I could be pointing to that guy <laughs> off to one side, but you think I'm pointing at you. <laughs> That's a mark of God's ownership. You say, well, why do you say that? Because if I don't, the devil's going to whisper in my ear, God doesn't care. Do you have a mark of God's ownership on you? I hope you do. The Apostle Paul had marks in his body, put there by men, whipped, beaten. He looked upon those marks as the marks of God's ownership. Maybe you have a couple of marks. What I'm saying to you is because God is the Creator, there's no errors. There's no mistakes. And if we would just wrap our head around this, we'd save ourselves a world, a lifetime of sorrow. That's good to know. Back in 1464 in Italy, an artist, a stone sculptor, an artist was commissioned to carve a huge statue of the biblical King David. Shortly after the giant marble stone arrived, the artist got started but then declared that this marble stone was inferior and not suitable and he abandoned the project and took off. They were dumbfounded. They brought in another artist to pick up where he left off. This artist did
didn't even bother picking up his hammer and chisel. He examined the marble. He too declared it unfit, inferior quality, and he walked off the job. It's a true story. That marble sat there for 25 years, a colossal waste. It sat there in the courtyard until a young 26-year-old Italian artist by the name of Michelangelo came and he could see what the other artists couldn't see. And he spent the next two years transforming that worthless piece of junk into the world-famous statue of King David. Maybe you've seen it or pictures of it. Incredible work of art. That at one time, inferior, junk. You know something? God is looking for people who think that they're a bit of a piece of junk. God isn't looking for the high and mighty. He's not looking for those big snooty-nosed Hollywood types, you know. He's looking for men and women who when they look in the mirror, they say, boy, I'm no beauty. I wouldn't win first prize for nothing. God specializes in transforming those lives into something wonderful. That's the wonderful creator God we serve. Isn't it wonderful God's a creator? I'm so glad. And he hasn't stopped creating. So maybe someone here today, maybe you think your life is a mess. And listen, maybe you're right. I'll be honest. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is a mess. Maybe you messed it up yourself. Or maybe your life is a mess because other people came and messed your life up. Maybe from a uh, a, young, a youngster, maybe you were severely neglected and abused and trashed. And maybe that's caused your life to become a, a, a train wreck or something. But you're here today and say, well, what good am I? I look around at others and they got it all together. They, they look good, they have nice this and that, and then there's me. Hmm? Listen, this is the sort of thing that God is looking for you. He's looking for people like that. He loves to do his recreation job. And so now is the time to go to God, the creator God. Don't wait. Now, today, now, in prayer, go to God, the creator God. Give yourself back to him. Like that big chunk of marble. God's better than Michelangelo too, by the way. You know that. Let God... Be your sculptor. Let God be the artiste for your canvas. Let God finish the work. Take your life and put it into God's hands. You know, in the Psalms, King David once prayed, Create in me. See, there's the Creator God he's talking to. Create in me a clean heart. Ever wish your heart could be clean? Maybe you've got things in your heart you're ashamed that other people, if they found out about they wouldn't like you. Maybe they'd leave you if you had things in your heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. See, he's a creator and he wants to do that if you will let him. He's not going to force you. If you want to go on 
the way you're going, it's up to you. But if you want to put yourself in God's hands, He's more than happy to take you and make you into something beautiful. So today, put your life back into the master artist. Time to pray. Let's uh, close our eyes. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.